says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And that's an amazing truth. In fact, that's the whole point behind Christmas. In the Christmas season, there's so much happening, so much going on. But man, that is the truth behind Christmas. And in this series, we've talked about different ways um, that God is with us, maybe in different seasons of life that we've talked about. And Pastor Jamal kicked us off in week one. I loved his message. He talked about how God is with us in the valley. God is with us in the valley, and he said some really cool things that we may enjoy God on the mountaintops in the good moments of life, but it's in the valleys that we get to experience God and know God intimately. And some things that he said about being in the valley is that the valley is always temporary, and so there's a comfort that we can take knowing that it's just for a time frame. Maybe it's that God is just trying to get you from one end to the other. That's all it is, and so you just got to go through the valley. Maybe he's trying to teach you something in that valley, but I loved what he said, and he said that our strength comes from God. And last week uh, was in the desert. We talked about how God is with us in the desert, and that was Pastor Jeff. I loved that message as well, and I loved what he said. He said it's not about where you are. It's about whose you are. And if you can focus on whose you are, if you can focus on who you belong to, then you can actually still have victory even in a desert experience. And perhaps he said maybe the most important thing to take away from that message, which I thought was awesome. We had read from the Psalms. We we were looking at something that David had wrote. And he said that it was David's past experience in the sanctuary that prepared him for his desert experience. And I thought that was powerful and, and wonderful. And so hang on to those as we continue today. In week three, we're talking about how God is with us in the storm. God is with us in the storm. Now here's the truth. Nobody likes being in the presence of a storm. Nobody wants to be in a storm. Now, it's funny that we actually name our storms. Like, we don't really do this with other things, but, you know, we, like, come up with names for, like, hurricanes and stuff. (laughs) It actually, it started in 1954. A meteorologist would name hurricanes after their wives and girlfriends. (laughs) I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Hey, honey, I love you so much. I'm going to name this Category 5 hurricane that caused millions of dollars in, in, uh, you know, damage and destruction uh, after you. It's Hurricane Sally. Like, I don't know who thought that was, you know, a smart move, but... Whatever, it's what they did for a few years, and then after uh, about 25 years, it's equal rights for storms, and they started naming them after guys as well. They, like, alternate now. And you may know, but after a particularly bad storm, they'll retire a name, and they won't use that name anymore. And so a storm that's hit particularly close to home for us, most of us should remember Hurricane Sandy in 2012. That was a big deal. That was actually, it's the largest Atlantic hurricane on record in the United States still, It hit um, every single state on the eastern seaboard. It was the second costliest um, hurricane after Hurricane Katrina until recently with Hurricanes uh, Harvey and Maria. But it most affected New Jersey and New York City. So that's us right here. And, And many of us here were probably affected by it. I was in college at the time. I was a resident assistant. It was my first year as an RA. They're like, hey, you can go home if you want to, you know, be with your family. That's fine. So that's what I did. I drove back to New Jersey. And um, a lot of you guys know Jay De La Cruz. He comes from this church. I had just got started to get to know Jay. I was staying at his place on the weekends. So I get to, like, my parents' house, and I go on Facebook, and I see Jay De La Cruz. He's, like, on Facebook. He's putting these videos out. Hey, this is News Channel, Jay. 
He's like on the beach, like, it's getting pretty bad out here right now. I'm like, what are you doing out there, man? Like he's, he's on the beach, like behind somebody's house, like the water is coming into somebody's house. He's like, you don't want to be out here right now? I'm like, what are you doing in the middle of this storm, Jay? That's what he was doing. And so, you know, it was crazy, though. Lots of damage was caused, you know, where I'm from in North Jersey, it was more about wind damage, trees coming down, trees on top of houses and cars. And I know a lot, in a lot of places here in Monmouth County, it was a lot about the flooding. And people's homes were destroyed. Even Rebecca's grandmother's house in, uh, in Queens at the time, total lower level was taken out. And so um, it affected us. Nobody likes being in the presence of a storm. Maybe you're here and you were affected by it. I mean, I know people who didn't have anywhere to live for three to five years uh, after the storm and I uh, had a picture, it, it, you know, if you've seen that picture of uh, the roller coaster from Seaside kind of in the water, I think it perfectly encapsulates kind of what we experienced in New Jersey, what it was like. My mom, she had said, man, I remember when that roller coaster was new, I, I rode on that. And, and there it was in, in the ocean. It was, it was done, it done, it was destroyed. Man, nobody likes being in the presence of a storm. But today we're not just talking about the weather, <laughs> We're talking about the storms of life. You know, I bet we probably could name different storms that we're going through, not Hurricane Sandy or Harvey or Maria. We probably could put a name to some storms that we're facing today. Maybe it's Hurricane Depression. Maybe it's Storm Divorce. Maybe it's a financial hurricane. Maybe it's a relationship storm. I don't know what it is, but all of us are facing storms. And you know what the worst part is? The storms of life are not like the weather. Now, Pastor Jeff and I were talking about this this week. This is kind of him. He was saying, you know what? At least today, you get an alert on your phone. Oh, the weather's going to be bad. In fact, every morning I wake up and look at the weather, temperature for the day, right? On your phone, you get, you get a heads up. But when it comes to the storms of life, a lot of times you don't. Sometimes it's just a phone call out of the blue. Like, wait a minute, what happened? Who was in an accident? What was that diagnosis? Like, it, it, like what's going to happen at my job? It's literally one phone call out of the blue, and all of a sudden they can feel like you're in the middle of a storm. And so how do we respond when we face a storm? Well, obviously we can panic when it comes to a storm, right? We could develop anxiety thinking about, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening right now. We think about all the destruction that the storm can cause on the other side of it. What's going to happen? We think about our plans, maybe our expectations. This is what I thought was going to happen, but now I'm in the middle of the storm. I don't think it's going to work out this way. All of my hard work, everything I've invested, is it all for nothing? Is it all going to be destroyed? So we can panic, but what else can we do? I think when it comes to God, I think we can blame God. A lot of times, right, we feel like, well, hold on a second. Isn't God all-powerful? Isn't God all-knowing? Doesn't he know everything? So that means, that means God's allowing this in my life. Why is God allowing it? Why would you do this, God? Is it because, are you mad at me? Is God mad at me? Is God, is God testing me? Okay, that's why God's testing me. He wants to see if I'm faithful. Is there sin in my life? Maybe, maybe I, I don't know why I'm sinning. That's why I'm in this storm right now. Maybe is it because I don't have enough faith? Maybe even somebody in church has told you that before. Well, you know what, dude, I think if you had a little more faith, you wouldn't be going through this storm. You really got to be praying more, dude. And now, and now you're like, oh my gosh, it's my faith. God. And then you start to look at yourself. Is it me? It's my fault? Am I? Is that the reason why? And when it comes to how else can we respond, we can also maybe just give up hope. Just give up hope. Just stop fighting it. Let it go. You know what? It's not worth it. I can't fight this anymore. 
In fact, the story that I want to look at today, that's exactly what happened. It's a story about a group of guys who were on a boat in a massive storm. It was raging on for days. They were throwing stuff overboard, hoping that maybe it would help them survive. But they got to the place where they gave up hope. Here's what it says, Acts 27, 20. I like how it says it in the NIV. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And I wonder how many of us would use that phrasing for maybe something that we're facing right now. I bet that most of us in the room are probably facing some type of storm right now. If you're not in the middle of one, uh, maybe you're entering into one or about to, or maybe you're coming out of one. This is kind of how it works a lot of times. But if you read earlier in chapter 27, verse 15, it says that they actually, actually they couldn't fight the storm anymore, so they just let it go. They let the ship go where it was. It's like we gave up hope. And that's what so many of us do because we don't want to be in the presence of a storm. You know what? I'll just let it go where it goes. There's no way that our marriage is going to make it. I'm just going to let it go where it goes. You know what? I can't fight this anymore. You know what? There's no way I can climb out of this financial debt. You know what? I'm going to let it go where it's going to go. I'm going to let the bill stack up. I'm not going to worry about my job. I can't fight it anymore. There's no way I can beat this cancer, this diagnosis. I'm going to be alone for my whole life. I'll never meet somebody. We'll never be able to have kids. We'll never be able to conceive. Whatever it is, the storm continues to rage and they gave up all hope. And so the question is, man, what's the right response? How should we respond when the storms of life come our way? You know, we talked about this a little bit at uh, the Young Adults Group on Monday. Man, what are you supposed to do? Like, if you're a Christian, does that mean you're just supposed to not have any feelings? Like, ignore it? Like, well, oh, I'm a Christian. I follow God. I've got the, the presence of God with me. It does, just doesn't bother me. Yeah, I'm in a storm. It doesn't bother me at all, right? I don't know if you've got Disney Plus yet, but you can go watch The Lion King. It's on Disney Plus. Simba's got that line. He's like, I laugh in the face of danger. <laughs> like, is that what we do? I'm a Christian. I laugh in the face of a, of a storm. It, it doesn't work like that. It's, that's not possible. And not only is it not possible, I don't think that that's what God wants anyway. I don't think that's what God has for us. It's not about pretending that it doesn't exist. It's not about trying to wish away your feelings. It's, it's knowing that God is with you. Man, that's what this series is. It's knowing that God is with you. And when you know that God is with you, you can find peace and purpose in the storm. Here's kind of the first big truth that we're pulling out today from the story that we're going to read, and I'm going to give it to you. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And so I want to look at this story. It's in Acts chapter 27. Let me give you a little context of kind of what this storm is. Uh, like we said, book of Acts, and it's talking about the Apostle Paul, this section of Acts Paul's an important person in Christianity. He wrote over half the New Testament. He's a big character, and um, he's brought before several leaders, and he preaches the gospel to them. And this is written by a man named Luke. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, which is kind of about Jesus' life, and then he wrote the book of Acts. It's kind of a two-volume work. And it's really interesting, again, kind of as you know this, as you study God's word, um, that he's actually comparing Paul to Jesus, how Jesus appeared before several leaders and then was crucified, and now Paul's appearing before several leaders, and then he's kind of shipwrecked, and it's kind of poetic. It's like, actually, the, as you follow Jesus, your story starts to look like his story in some ways, and, and it's kind of cool how that happens. And so Paul, he's a Roman citizen. Uh, this is during the age of the Roman Empire, and so he appeals to Caesar, he basically voluntarily becomes a prisoner. He's like, I want Caesar to hear my case. That was a right he had as a Roman citizen. And so they're like, 
our man will slap the chains on you and ship you to Rome if you want to go to Caesar. You don't have to. But Paul viewed it like, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to preach the gospel to Caesar. And so he's kind of on this ship. And they take a boat. They head off to Rome and they encounter this storm. The, the Bible says it's a northeaster. And it's, it's also interesting. Luke is writing this story, but he's personally present for this. Most of the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, he's kind of reporting what happened. But when we get to this story, he's there in person. And it's interesting, Luke didn't have to go. Luke wasn't a prisoner. In fact, there's also another companion as well. And so you get the idea that Luke was like, all right, Paul, if you're doing this, I'm not letting you do this alone. And then Luke ended up being in the storm too. And we'll talk about kind of why that's significant. But here's the last thing I want to say just before we read it today. If you're here and maybe you're not sure where you land um, with like God and the whole Christianity thing, Jesus, the Bible, God's word, you're not sure about that, man, you don't have to be sure about any of that for this to impact you today. What I want to do, I just want to look at a story and see how Paul responded in the story, and I think it can still be helpful for you today. So kind of pay attention as we continue to read it together. But so let's read it, Acts 27, we're going to go, we're going to start with verse 21. So it says, no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, uh, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. So hold on, let's, let's stop right there. Paul, Paul's probably like the most spiritual guy you could ever get. He wrote half the New Testament. This guy's a big deal, big deal. But Paul's doing what the rest of us do. I told you so. I told you not to do it. I said don't go, right? But we all do it. We see somebody in a storm. Well, what did I say? I said not to do this. Man, especially if you're a parent, right? Sometimes it's like, I told you it was going to work out this way, right? Paul's doing the same thing here, man. But why? Why are they in the storm? If you know the story, this is what happens. They're in the storm kind of it's like their own fault. Paul's a prisoner, right? There's um, the Roman officer, his name is Julius, the ship's captain, the ship's owner, and Paul. They're all kind of talking about, hey, should we go? Paul's like, I've been in several shipwrecks before. I think this weather's bad. We shouldn't go. They're like, eh, we got to go. So they go anyway. They, they decide to sail when they knew the environment was risky. So they're in a storm. It's like it's their own fault. And this is important because, you know, a lot of times in Christian circles, we really love, like, a lot of times we... We blame the devil for things. Sometimes it's real easy to do that. When a lot of times the devil has nothing to do with it. Sometimes it's just our fault. Like sometimes it's just, you know what, like you spent too much money. <laughs> like the devil didn't do it. Like, you know, you just, we spent too much money. That, that's what it comes to. Now, sometimes it's like, you know what, I let my emotions get the better of me. I didn't make a decision in this moment. I said something I shouldn't have said. It wasn't the devil. It, it, it was me. I, I, I made a decision I should have made. Maybe it's like I procrastinated. It's not the devil's fault. I failed my final exam by staying up late, eating pizza, maybe drinking some beer or something. Okay, well, the devil's not out to get you. Like, dude, come on. You're making a bad decision, and that's what happens, right? Man, maybe your pastor, your brother, your parents said, I don't think you should date that guy. I don't think he's good for you. Like, oh, but uh, uh, he's so great. I want to date him anyway, right? It's not the devil's fault that it didn't work out well. Like, your parents told you not to date him. Your youth pastor said, I don't think this is a good idea, right? Sometimes it's just our own fault we make a decision. But maybe that's why they gave up all hope of being saved. You know, I think it's one thing if you feel like God is the one who got you in the storm, you're like, all right, well, maybe you can start to believe that God will get you out. But when the storm is your fault, like it's a decision that you made, something you said, and now you're in a storm, 
Sometimes it's a lot harder to think that you're going to make it out of there. Like, I don't even deserve to be rescued. So why are they in the storm? It's their it's partially their fault, but, you know, what's Paul saying? I told you not to go. It wasn't Paul's fault. He was in a storm. It had nothing to do with him. Same thing with Luke. Luke didn't need to be there. In fact, there's 276 people on the ship. Most of those people are sailors. They're just, they're just doing what they're told. I don't know. Have you ever been in a storm that's not your fault at all? Maybe you're in the middle of one right now. I had nothing to do with this, but I'm in the storm. I'm paying for it. If you're next to somebody and you're like, yeah, remember when you said that thing and now we're paying for it? Don't, don't bump them. Don't do that. It's just, you know, leave it alone. It's okay. But maybe you're in a storm because of something that somebody else did. Maybe your parents got divorced. That's a storm. That's a hurricane when something like that happens. And that's not your fault. You have nothing to do with that. It's not fair. You shouldn't have to go through it, but you're paying for it, and now you're in the storm. Maybe your company made a stupid decision. You're, you got laid off. They call you, hey, two weeks, you're done. We're sorry. Not your fault. You're a great employee. You know you've been here 25 years. Sorry, you're done. And you're like, this isn't my fault. I've been faithful. I've been a great employee. I have nothing to do with this. But now I'm in this financial storm. Maybe you trusted somebody. You believed them at their word. And they didn't come through for you. They betrayed you. And now you're in this storm. You're dealing with this. It's not your fault. Whatever the reason is, it can be easy to give up hope. But man, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Let's continue the story in verse 22. Here's what Paul says. Verse 22. He says, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. And I just want to say, some of you here, maybe you're going through a storm right now, and you just need to hear that. Take courage. Take courage. It's okay. This storm doesn't have to take you down. Maybe the ship will go down. Maybe it's not going to go how you want it to go, but this doesn't have to be the end. Take courage. You know, I, I was thinking about this too, even just being in this God with us series, you know. Last week, Pastor Jeff talked about being uh, God is with us in the desert. I feel like that's probably like the hardest place to be, man. Like you're being faithful. You don't feel God's presence. You feel totally alone. And the answer is like, keep being faithful, man. You know, at least with a storm, you know that it's not going to stay this way. You know that at some uh, at some level, it's going to end. And God's word is saying, hey, take courage, because even though the ship may break, it doesn't have to take you down. Let's continue with what he says, verse 23. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. I know where we're at with this. Sorry, right, we'll come there in a second. And so he says, an angel of God appeared to him. Um, I don't know, again, same thing. If you're reading this story, so, again, sometimes we make the Bible like it's so holy. Like, yeah, Paul, uh, Paul is the messenger from God. Like, an angel stood before him. Wow, he's great. Like, if you're on that ship, you may be like, all right, bro. Like, what, you're just sitting downstairs. You're like, oh, yeah, God appeared to me, an angel. Like, okay, Mr. Spiritual over here. But really, really, Paul's saying that there's actually more to the world than what we can see. There's more to the world than what we can feel. In fact, God's presence is with us in, in more ways than maybe we think about or realize most of the time. God's presence is with us even if you don't see it or feel it right now. I mean, think about this, that if you follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is with you. That's amazing. That's an amazing truth that no matter what storm you are facing, 
that God is still with you. His spirit is with you. And Paul truly believed this. Paul lived by this. This impacted his life. He's not just saying this out of the blue. In fact, he wrote a letter to Timothy. He was kind of somebody he trained in the faith. He was another pastor. He was kind of like a spiritual son to him. Here's what he says in 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 17. He says, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. So again, Paul, he appears in front of people a lot, it sounds like. He gets in a lot of trouble sometimes. But he says, everyone abandoned me, but may it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. He rescued me from certain death. Paul knows that it's about who's with me. That's what he says, an angel stood beside me, so God, I know God's with me. He said, here, Ben, I know God is beside me. Here's what David says. We, we, wrote, we read from the Psalms last week from, uh, with David. Here's what he says in Psalm 16, 8. He says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Men, when you realize that God is with you, it changes your posture. It changes your mood. It changes your demeanor. It changes how you ride out the storm when you know who is with you. I was in high school, and I was having some problems with a teacher. Uh, you may be like, all right, Matt, like, really? Like, yeah, I mean, okay, so basically we, we were doing the Bible club, and she was a Bible club leader, and uh, the church would actually buy uh, free Wendy's every time we had a Bible club. So, you know, kids came, and she had a real problem with that. She was just like, you're man manipulating kids to be here, and I'm like, okay, whatever. So we kept going back and forth. So she calls a meeting with the principal. She's like, we're meeting with the principal about this. I'm like, okay, Bible club leader, whatever, right? We had this is a problem. So we meet with the principal, and uh, I'm nervous, you know, because whatever he says goes, right? I'm like, here we go. I'm getting in trouble. I'm trying to just do this thing here. And the principal, she's like, yeah, okay, we're buying food. We're manipulating kids. I don't think he should be allowed to do this anymore. And the principal, he's like, well, uh, didn't Jesus feed the 5,000 and then teach them? And I was like, okay, Mr. Sansbury, like, all right, the principal's got my back right now. Like, and he's like, yeah, I don't see the problem. I think he should be able to keep doing it. I think you're doing a great job. I was like, all right, let's go. And you know what? When you're in the middle of a storm, when you know who's next to you, when you know who's with you, it changes how you ride out that storm, right? So even in the presence of a storm, when you know the Lord is right beside you, man, you can have peace and purpose in the middle of the storm. In fact, there's another story Maybe you probably know it. When Jesus calmed the storm, it's a totally different storm. They're on a different boat. It's the disciples. They're in the middle of a storm. And now think about this. In the story, we're talking about an axe, right? Whose fault? Why are they in the storm? Well, it's, some of them, it's like their own fault. That's why they're in it. Some of them, they have nothing to do with it. It's not their fault. In this story with Jesus, it's like Jesus' fault. Like he's the reason they're in the storm. He's like, hey, let's get in the boat, guys. Let's go to the other side. And they get in a storm. So it sounds like, man, storms of life come our way, not because God's mad at you or this or that. Man, there's all different reasons why. It just seems like storms of life happen. But so they're in a storm. And if you know the story, Jesus, he falls asleep. And the disciples do what the rest of us would do. We start panicking freaking out. They didn't get a notification on their phone. They're like, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? God, Jesus, this isn't going the way we thought it was going to go. We're not getting to the other side. The boat's going to sink. The water's coming over. God, don't you care? But God does care, right? Jesus, he got up. He said, man, why did you doubt? You have little faith. And it's one phrase, right? He says, be still. And then he calms the storm. That's it. It was just one phrase, and they experienced peace. Why do they experience peace? Here's kind of the next big truth that we're pulling from the story today, is that real peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Real peace is found 
in the presence of Jesus. Real peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Real peace isn't found in a trouble-free life. We're not going to have a trouble-free life. There's no such thing. In fact, that's what Jesus says. In this world, you'll have trouble. It's like a promise. John 16, 33, it's what he says. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Peace isn't about having no trouble. It's about being in God's presence, the presence of Jesus, knowing that he's right here, right beside me, that he's with me, and he'll never forsake me. And so, you know, I think most of the time, our greatest problem, it's what's going on, it's what's going on within us, not what's going on around us. It's what's going on within us, not what's going on around us. Man, maybe we just have to change our expectations a little bit. Well, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be having any of these problems. I shouldn't be going through this right now. I'm praying. It shouldn't be going this way. Maybe we just have to change our expectation. Maybe we have to change what, what we expect, what peace is. We have to change our expectation about peace. Well, peace means I, I should be feeling fine. Everything should be going okay. Maybe we need to just change that a little bit. It's not what's going on around us. It's going on within us. Peace is being in the presence of Jesus. Again, I love what Pastor Jeff said last week. It's not about where you are. It's about whose you are. And Jesus, Jesus is the master of every situation. You know, again, a lot of times, especially if I grew up in church, so I'm, I know a lot of these stories. I read them, and I'm like, yeah, okay, Jesus, come the storm. You kind of know it. If you're like me, you know what I'm talking about. But, you know, when you read this story, when you realize where it is, in all of the Gospels that they talk about this story, Jesus calming the storm, it's sandwiched in between a bunch of other stories about Jesus showing his authority over all these different areas. Like, every area that you can think about in life, like his authority over people. In this story, his authority over nature, his authority over sickness, disease, his authority over demons, his authority over death. It's this whole long section of the disciples and us as the readers, we're kind of thinking to ourselves, is this Jesus guy really like the real deal? Is he worth trusting? And the Gospels are saying, yes, he is. Look at this. He can beat people. He can beat disease. He can beat nature. He can beat demons. He can beat death. There's nothing. Jesus is the master of every situation. And so we can trust him. For us, Jesus proved that no matter what situation I face, he's greater than it. No matter what situation I face, he's greater than it. Real peace is not the absence of a storm, it's the presence of Jesus. And it doesn't matter why you're in the storm. Maybe you're here right now and you're in the middle of a storm and it's straight up your fault. You said something, you did something, you did something stupid, whatever, and it's your fault. Maybe you're here and it's someone else's fault, you have nothing to do with it. It's not fair, you shouldn't have to go through this, but you are. Maybe you're here and it almost feels like maybe it was God or Jesus who kind of got you into it. But man... It doesn't matter what the reason is. Jesus is greater, and you can have peace and purpose in the storm when you know that. When you know that, you can have peace and purpose. It's who do I trust right now? And that's what Paul discovered in the story. In verse 24, right, he's saying uh, that the angel angel spoke to him. He said, uh, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. And what's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. He's saying you can't go down. This storm is not going to be the end. Man, if you're not dead, God's not done. Maybe this ship will go down, sure, but you don't have to go down. God still has more for you to do. God has more battles for you to fight. There's more people that God wants you to love. There's more opportunities for you to serve somebody, more opportunities for you to be a blessing to somebody. If you're not dead, God is not done with you. And so even in the middle of a storm, you can have peace and purpose. You're not going to go down in this. In fact, maybe what you're going through right now 
God may even be able to use that in somebody else's life. It's why it's so important to be together right now, like to be in community. Maybe there's somebody in church whose marriage is not doing well right now, and you would be able to say to that person, you know what, five years ago, yeah, we were having some real problems in our marriage, but let me, uh, let me share with you what God did in our life, how we were able to be faithful in our marriage. Maybe there's somebody here who says, man, I don't think I'll ever get out of this debt. I think it is the way it is. Man, I can't, get, I can't escape this. And maybe you're here and you say, yeah, you know what? Two, three years ago, we were in a huge financial debt. But actually, we're totally out of it. Let me, let me talk about the process that God did in our lives. Maybe, you're, maybe there's somebody here who feels like, man, I'm in bondage to this. I'm addicted to this. You know what? I'm giving up hope. This is just who I am. I'm stuck this way. I'll never be able to change and you're here, and Jesus set you free from something, and you can be an evangelist for the presence of God, that, that God is with us even in the storm. When you know this, you can have peace and purpose, and this is, I think, kind of what Paul is telling to uh, the people on the boat, is that you can place your faith not in what you see, but in what God says. Place your faith not in what you see, and maybe we would even add this, not in what you feel, but in what God says. Here's what he says in verse 25. He says, so take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. Be just as he said. Place your faith not in what you see, but in what God says. We have faith that if God said it, it's going to happen. Maybe I don't see it right now. Maybe that's not how I feel. I don't really feel God's presence. I don't feel like this situation is how I want it to go. But I have faith in God. You know what? I'm in a boat right now, but I don't have faith in the boat. My faith will be in the one who made the trees, who made the boat. I'm on a ship right now, but my faith won't be in the ship. My faith will be in the one who commands the winds and the waves that the ship is riding on. It's a choice that we have to make. It's not always a feeling, but it's a choice. I have faith that my God will make it happen. Maybe that there will be healing in this situation, that there will be restoration, that I can experience peace in the middle of this storm. Here's the truth. You can't control when a storm comes. You can't control what a storm will blow up or destroy. You can't control how severe it is, how long it will last. You can't control what people say about you. You can't control what people do to you. But you can control where you put your faith. You can control where you put your trust. And that's the question. Where will you put your trust? Will your faith be in the one that created the winds and the waves, the one that created you, the one that loves you and is with you? Man, our biggest problem, it's not what's going on with around us, it's what's going on within us. What will I trust? My faith needs to be in what he says, not in what I see. In the gospel story, when Jesus calmed the storm, he said, hey, let's get in the boat, we're going to go to the other side. And then the disciples were like, oh my gosh, we're not going to make it. Jesus said, hey, why don't you have faith? I said, we'd make it to the other side. And they made it. I'd say it's easy, but that's what happened. Man, you can have faith in what he said. And, and the Acts story that we just read, man, God tells Paul, hey, you're going to make it. In fact, you're going to make it to Caesar. I've got a mission for you. Please continue. You're going to make it. Don't freak out. Have faith in me. And so in our story, knowing that there's peace and purpose in the storm, when we know who is with us, man, that can get us through. Psalm 46, 1 through 3, here's what it says. God is our refuge and strength always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the water surge. Why? Because God is our shelter. He's always ready to help us. He's with us and by our side. So even if, in our purposes, maybe even if 
I lose my job. God's not surprised. He's right next to me still. He's with me in this, this storm, maybe this financial storm. Even if, even if this relationship ends, this doesn't go the way I want it to, I've invested so much time and energy into this, God is still with me. God is right beside me. I can trust him. Even if the economy shakes, even if the government isn't going the direction I think it should go, God is still with me, and God is still next to me. I can have peace and purpose in this storm. He's my safety, my strength, my comforter. He's the bread of life, the living water that satisfies my soul. He is my counselor, my comforter, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is my peace. So we said no one likes being in the presence of a storm. Nobody wants that, but we have the storms of life. We face them anyway. How do we respond? Well, we can panic. A lot of times we blame God or we look inward at ourselves or we can just give up hope. But what we saw in the story today, our anchor verse for the series is that God is with us. And so we said, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. We said that true peace isn't the absence of a storm, but it's the presence of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And so you can find peace and purpose in the storm. So place your faith not in what you see, maybe not even in what you feel, but in what God says. And so I believe the best response to a message like this is to open up the altars, to pray together, because I believe many of us are going through a storm. Again, maybe you're about to go into one. Maybe you're coming out of one. And Pastor Bonnie, you can play some music behind us as we get ready for that. But before we even do that, I, I, I want to kind of just give this opportunity. Maybe you're here today. There's somebody who you say, you know what? I don't know if I would call myself a Christian. Maybe you're not sure where you stand with God. But I want to let you know something, that you don't have to face the storms of life alone. You can walk out of here today knowing that God's presence is with you. And so if you're here today, I want to give you that opportunity to respond. So everybody, uh, just with our um, eyes closed and heads bowed, just for a minute of privacy, if you're here today and maybe you say, I don't, I, I don't know where I stand with God. I don't know if I've ever prayed that prayer before. I wouldn't say I'm a Christian, but you say today, man... I would like to know. I, I, I could use some help in the storm. I'm telling you that Jesus wants to be with you here today. And so I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not looking to embarrass you. I want to give you a moment where you can say to yourself, you know what? I know that I asked Jesus to be part of my life and to be part of what's going on in the middle of my storm. And so if you're here today, I'm going to ask you real quick. You can raise your hand because I want to lead you in a prayer. If you're here today and you say, man, I would love to trust Jesus and invite him into my life to help me in the middle of this storm.